Welcome to City Limits. I'm Kevin. And I'm Ian. And we made it through the deep freeze. We did. And it's actually really warm out today because it's Wednesday. <laughs> <laughs> but we did make it through the deep freeze just barely. Um, we did. We did have a, a burst pipe. But luckily we heard it. Do we, have to, do we have to recall this? It was painful. Well, I know a lot of people. A lot of people <laughs> had problems. So. No, I know. We, we did hear it. It was a big bang. And, th- and luckily we were at home and we were able to isolate it. Yeah. Like I said, I know a lot of people had had bigger problems. And then, of course, the fire in Liberty Street and the firefighters encased in ice as they fought it. Yeah. It's, you know, just in general, whenever there's a fire, it's just terrifying. But that that the the elements that they were dealing with, with the, the deep freeze and the icicles off of their their helmets. And it was just, it was just looked horrific. And I do feel terrible for the businesses as well. But I just want to put a big thank you out to the Quincy Fire Department for once again, just taking care of, of, of a terrible fire and terrible conditions. Yep. So let's talk about some things happening in Quincy. Mm-hmm. Uh, this just in, and What's well, that? <laughs> last night, Jim Devine is the new Ward 4 City Councilor. Yes, he is. Congratulations. Congratulations. Councilor, Councilor Devine. Well, he has to be sworn in, but he is going to be our new... That'll new probably ward. happen pretty quickly, I I, I would think I don't know, but you know, it's just the special election that is over, and we now have a new ward councilor for Ward Four, and it's Jim Devine. Yep, and I know they both worked very hard. I saw them both out working. So yep, and thank you very much for everybody who stepped up to yep. run for the run for Ward Four. It was great to see. We had four four people. It was narrowed down to Joel and to Jim, and I we saw both of them working really very hard. So you know, I say to Joel, thank you very much as well. And good okay. campaign. Good campaigns. Yeah, they were good campaigns. A lot of mailers, mm-hmm. um, a lot of banging doors. In in this weather, we haven't had the worst winter, but still. Yeah. All right. So the other thing that happened since we were last on, the mayor had his state of the city address, and we talked about it, and we were looking forward to some of his initiatives that he talked about, but. It was a little different. So I know you were there. Why don't you? Yep. So it was January 31st at 1030 in the morning, the Tuesday morning, 1030 in the morning at City Hall. And just to give a recap of everybody that was in, in the audience there, there were a lot of department heads, a lot of people who work for the city of Quincy, friends and family. And then we had elected officials, former elected officials. We had Governor Haley in the audience as well. So there was a lot of people there. And the difference this this one was typically... There's a lot of visions of where we're going. We were really celebrating people this time and how many years people worked for the city. And um, a lot of people that had been there for 30 plus years were being kind of honored for their service in the city. And what's interesting that to me about that is I think the mayor has been working for the city for over 40 years. These are people that he's worked alongside with for a really long time. And it was you know, most of the people were in the room that he was that he's talking to. Some of them, some of them were people that were still that weren't able to be in the room because they were actually out doing the jobs. So he went through most of the departments, and that was pretty much what the highlight of the of the meeting was. Mm-hmm. So did you get to, to? I know you didn't watch it live because you were working, but I know you. Took yeah, I watched it. Yeah. Um, so what were your thoughts? On demand. <laughs> I mean, it was good. It's always good to acknowledge your employees, right? Absolutely. But I did see the mayor Wu's, uh, the mayor of Boston, mm-hmm. a week before, and it was very similar. Mm-hmm. And of course, she was introducing his staff, and he's sort of introducing people well, that have worked for the city. But in that regard, it was the same. 
Yeah. Hers was a lot longer. She did talk about initiatives, but yeah, I think the difference here is that she's a new, newly elected mayor, and he is the longest-serving mayor of the city. So it's 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 the energy was just a little bit different. I know the gist of it was that it's about unity, but I think there were a lot of pieces. It was there was missed opportunities in that speech too, because there was a lot of things that happened in the city that brought people together that weren't talked about. Yep, unity and collaboration. The theme was um, the mayor's the heart. Heart of the city is beating in all of us. Is that it? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. The one criticism I think we've heard about from people was that um, it didn't really cover a lot of the, there was, there was a lot of people who stood up and who were heard and some, some activation was taken specifically like the Abigail Adams statue. That would have been a great opportunity to talk about collaboration. Yep. (laughs) Again, not a criticism. It's just something that was noticed that was absent. Right. Okay. And then of course, Monday night was the city council meeting. Yep, the night before the, the, the mayor's address. We had a city council meeting. It was a very quick one. It was probably over within 30 minutes. And I had a resolve. And then I, I introduced another resolve. And the resolve I introduced um, has to sit on the table until the next meeting. And that was about the 610 McGrath Highway building that was purchased. Right. So I'll read a couple of the uh, whereas statements because I don't think we want to go through all of them. No. Whereas the city of Quincy purchased 610 McGrath Highway on December 28th, 2022 to be used for Alcoholic Anonymous AA meetings. And whereas the mayor has stated on multiple occasions that it was purchased with remaining American Rescue ARPA funds, yet it appears that the district improvement financing diff four as the actual funding source. And whereas other public assistance groups who experienced similar meeting space issues during the pandemic are not included or supported by this purchase. Therefore, let it be resolved that the the Quincy City Council requests an update from the administration on the purchase of 610 McGrath Highway, including a report of any funding used from DIF 4 and or OPER, as well as other properties taken to date with OPER funds. Yeah. So my biggest concern about this is it's, and I've said it before, I mean, it's noble to try to solve problems that are in the community. And Alcoholics Anonymous is specifically the word anonymous is there because people who are um, who are dealing with um, alcohol and, and they're going to these kind of counselings, they want to stay anonymous because for many different reasons. And to buy a building, a public building, and put a spotlight on it, it, it really does take their power away from them by doing that. And I'm concerned also by many of the other other things that are happening in our community that don't have abilities to be able to use this building. There's there's civic associations that didn't have places to meet. There are other nonprofits that that meet throughout the city too that had to 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 use Zoom and to not be able to have meeting locations and to just itemize out one and say this is this is more important than others. It's a, it's it it does put a disenfranchise on on people. And you know, it's just a concern that I have. And then it's also are we, you know, the taxpayers that we pick we're picking up another building that's being taken off the tax rolls. And there was a hint at it that it was because the state wasn't purchasing building for the courthouse. We can't solve the state's issues for not being able to purchase buildings. It's not our place. Right. And I just want to remind people the DIF is, is meant for the downtown. It's the district improvement financing of the downtown. And it's paid. It's your taxes. And it's it's supposed to not cost anybody anything. It's supposed to be repaid by the people who move into the downtown and where we're purchasing things with it that are not meant for the for the vision of the URDP for the downtown, we run the risk of having it be all of us that pay for these things. And the opera funds, that's a whole other issue. We should be transparent about how we're spending that. They have encumbered every do- every dime of it. And other communities were able to see how they're spending it. 
What is URDP? What is a URDP? It's the Urban Redevelopment Plan. Um, it's the first. It's the first piece when you actually seg- you know, you, you create a an area of the downtown that we're going to actually start to invest in to be able to develop. And it's kind of the it's it's the whole point of what's happening in the downtown. We created a URDP and then we created land distribution agreements to be able to redevelop that downtown because it sat stag- stagnant for so long, and we're basically helping it along with your tax dollars. We're reinvesting into that area. And the, and the point of the diff is that the people who move into that area, their tax dollars don't go back into our general fund. They go into pay off the bonds that we've taken out. And if we're using those bonds to spend it on buying buildings that are not part of the overall plan, then there's a good chance you're not going to be able to pay that those bonds. Right. Okay. Let's see. What else do we have going on here? The Granite Links Ordinance Meeting is February 13th, and we wanted to let people know about that. So there there will be a, a public commentary mm-hmm. part to it. So we, we people should show up for that. They should. We've got. I've gotten a lot of phone calls, a lot of emails, a lot of text messages, a lot of people um, really letting me know that they think 99 years are too long, that we shouldn't be using it for whatever reasons that we shouldn't be using it for. Or, you know, that we don't really have an understanding of of what the first 25 years brought us. So really, you need to come out and speak to your counselors. And this is your opportunity to do that. So I'm going to request that people who hear this come on out on Monday night at 630. Let your voices be heard. Because it's important that this this isn't something that should be voted on immediately. It's something that we should really be digging our heels into and really taking a look at the history of what we've where it has been, where we are going, and how we're going to be able to make it better for everybody in the city of Quincy. And there's time left on the current lease. There's 22 years left on the current lease. So, so what's the rush? So I think, you know, I think it's important that we really understand what did we get, what we did, what did we not get out of the current lease? And then how do we move forward collectively to be able to see if it's not 99 years, maybe it's something else, but really understand what it is that we're going to get. And then also 99 years is a long time. And to keep the, the values at the same thing without the solutions for traffic and issues that we have in the city, there's just a lot of things that need to be looked at. So please come out. I know you're interested in it. So come out and join us on Monday night at, at 630. And there's a chance that it will be voted on? There's a chance it could be voted on. I mean, that's what the, the or it's up to the, it's up, somebody has to make a motion for it to be voted. It has to be carried by a second and then a vote will happen. But, you know, I think- That will happen. You think that will happen? Yes. <laughs> well, I'm hoping it won't because I, honestly, there are too many questions. And if it does get rushed through, then shame on every elected official for not asking the questions. I know that they're asking for all the questions up front, but you know, questions are born from the conversations that are had by the public forum, and it should be allowed to be really um, addressed. And I think I think it's a mistake if you have a public commentary to vote on something that night anyway, but that's just me. I think I think we need to have more public opportunities for people to let us know what they want in our community. If we truly want to say the beating heart adversity is in all of us, then we need to listen to all of us. Yeah. Okay. And do you know what time it is? I do. It's listener's mail. And we're getting to this a little early because uh, we have a lot of it. <laughs> we, we do have a lot of it. And I think a lot of things will be born out of these letters that we could talk about. Mm-hmm. So, so why don't we start off with um, this one from Jennifer. Dear Ann and Kevin, on January 31st, the mayor gave a speech in his annual State of the City address in which he highlighted the important work of all the employees of the city of Quincy. I found it incredibly ironic because he spent much of the speech talking about the heart of the city and the unity he feels with all those who work in the public interest here in Quincy. But four hours after that speech ended, 
the Hancock-Adams Common was flooded with hundreds of QPS teachers who were still working without a contract. That did not sound or look like unity from my perspective. As a female, it is not lost on me that the city continually asks more for less from a group of employees that are mostly women. The Patriot Ledger recently reported on the top earners in the city. Only 1% of the top 100 highest paid workers was a woman. In this light, I'm concerned that the unity only extends to certain groups in the city while leaving others behind. The mayor's idea of unity seems to be that female employees in the city should just do what they're told instead of vocalizing what the community actually needs to do to make Quincy Public Schools stronger and more effective for its students. Caring professions that are comprised of mostly female professionals like nurses, healthcare providers, teachers, and social workers have historically been undervalued and underpaid. And this was underscored by what happened during the pandemic and what seems to be happening in the city now. It is disappointing to me that the mayor has continued to undervalue the contribution of these types of workers and I hope the city begins to recognize the incredible work of so many of these women who did not and will never make the top 100 highest paid work. Their contributions to this city are no less valuable to the residents of Quincy. And that's from Jennifer. Yeah, that's it. I mean, I, I was not aware that they were going to be doing a standout in front of City Hall on that day. Um, the, the event itself was at 1030 in the morning. Um, so my, in my head, I thought if they were going to do anything, it would have been at 1030. But it makes sense because they were all in school. Um, but, you know, it's 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 a fact that there's um, there's they're in contract negotiations and they seem to be at a stalemate on both sides. And, you know, it's it's disappointing because we we have a great school system, but it's the teachers. It's not the brick and mortar that makes it great. It's the people who are actually teaching in the classrooms. And, you know, I hope they come to a resolution soon. Right. I know there's a school committee meeting tonight and mm -hmm. he was on Joe Catalano Tuesday, yesterday, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and saying that um, he thinks Thursday that he's hopeful that it might be wrapped up then. So. Yeah, maybe it will be. The thing is, is that I think sometimes people will say, well, you know, what do the teachers want or what's going on? I said, there's, some, there's definitely some um, misunderstood information out there. Teachers do teach, you know, 10 months of the year. They have the summers off. They get paid 10 months of the year. They don't get paid for 12 months. The other thing is that they oftentimes are there later in the day. They do they do grading after school. They do a lot of work, a lot of planning that's done. And they don't get paid overtime. So, you know, oftentimes when you see like the police or the fire budgets, there's overtime in that. And there's other things that are happening. I'm not suggesting that that's what's in the contract. I think it's just, you know, sometimes when you're looking at something and you're saying, you know, teachers are professionals that have masters. They have to have masters to be able to teach. It's a it's not the city of Quincy that requires them to do that. It's the state. But this is a problem that's happening, not just in Quincy, it's happening across the state. And it's because it's part of it's because of what happened with COVID. And another part of it is, is the demands of what's happening in the classrooms. And you have to keep up with that if you want to have a good school system. He, he did say that he thinks he's, he was very careful, he thinks that the MTA is, is sort of behind. part of this yeah. or behind this organization. Well, I, you know, I don't want to get into the specifics of those types of things, but I will say that, you know, negotiations and unions are meant to be with the unions and the school committee and and the administration. The administration holds supports per string, so they're the ones who are going to be able to determine what you can have. But, you know, in the past, at the very end when I was in the school committee, you didn't really have school committee members that were part of the negotiating teams, which was very strange. Um, and it, you know, this is this is definitely something, and it happens. It happens. It happened while I was in the school committee, where the teachers were, you know, pushing back. And you you need to have 
really come to the table with an open heart and listen to what's happening to be able to make those things happen. Right. The mayor did also say that it's sort of out of his hands. He's on, not on the negotiating team, which, come on. Well, if you notice, like, this is funny about, it is about funny about administrations. When things are not going their way, when the word no gets told into this administration or things are not looking like they're they're smooth sailing, it's not part of what they're doing. It's not part of what he's doing. But it is because, you know, we're responsible as to say the buck stops here. It's at the top of the line. It's who's making the decisions. If you are the one who's being decisive about what you want for your community, then you have to sit at the table and understand what the desires are there. Yeah. And, and let's it, face it, he's the one signing off on it. So. He is. So at, at the end of the day, what I'd hope for is that they'll, you know, that they'll resolve this because you know the students are the ones who miss out but the teachers do too because there's a passion to be it is a very difficult job i mean i was on the school committee for a long time it is a difficult job there's a lot of requirements there's a lot of expectations there's just a lot of pressure in those classrooms and it has been made exponentially harder because of covid it really has i mean it's going to be it's going to be a ripple effect for years to come Right. So let's move on to our next letter. Mm-hmm. We keep going through the letters like this. We'll be here for a while. <laughs> this is from Claire. Uh, greetings. I wish to thank the council for passing the resolve order number 2023-008 submitted by Council Mahoney and joined by Nina, Councilor Nina Liang on January 30th, 2023. It is important that the mayor and or his staff report on these matters to the council because transparency matters. Many citizens are genuinely curious about the Equity and Inclusion Commission's process and conclusions. What is the job description for the community liaison position? It is not on the front page of the city's job listings. Why not? Human Resources Director Patricia McGowan did not reply to my email uh, January 30th requesting said job description. Why not? To paraphrase President Kennedy, We choose to build the beloved community not because it is easy, but because it is hard. Let's work together. Thank you, Claire. So I can't speak for Patricia McGowan as to why or why not she didn't respond to an email. But I will say, again, this is, you know, in any corporation, because we like to say we're the CEO of the city, right? We hear that a lot, too. But in any corporation, the senior executives make the decision as to what is the thing that's being pushed forward. And when you go to see what jobs are there, it's not this job. Right. I did I did go to the available positions on the city site. It's mm-hmm. not listed. There's, there's uh, positions for working foreman for the tree maintenance, principal planner, um, working foreman tree climber, masons, children's librarian, account clerk two, and a tree warden. I guess the tree department's having some problems there's placing of, some people. There's a lot of trees coming down. <laughs> so so the resolve that I put forward is basically that, you know, we, we're seven months into our budget and we don't, we have an open position that hasn't been filled. And either the position is, you know, we need to hear from the committee that, that put this position forward for us. We have to understand what the requirements are for that position. Are we asking too much in that position? Are we not paying enough in that position is what's the what's preventing us from being able to find somebody to come to work in our community or is the title wrong i have no idea what that title means or is it is it that we don't we don't really want the position filled and we are you know we're dragging our feet because there seems to be that you know when you need when you need um there's plenty of people being paid out of the arpa funds that weren't advertised and we can find, they seem to be able to find plenty of people to, when they want to fill positions, they can find whoever they want. But in this particular case, we're not looking too hard for that. So I just, I do, I do think that it has to be, um, it has to be looked at and reviewed. And, and I think that's, that's the, the bottom line of that result. Right. 
And I, I do want to mention that um, I also went to boards and commissions, and there's that board and commission is not listed. So. Yeah, I think they didn't list it because they wanted to, they want they felt like maybe some of the conversations they were having would be sensitive. But we we had a public forum, and over 100 people came out and shared their very yeah. open feeling about what's happening in our community. Right. It helps us learn what our issues are if we actually speak openly about them. Okay. Um, this next one is from Catherine. Dear Ian, uh, just to you, not to me. <laughs> Don't be sensitive. What, what is happening in Quincy? We have Ian Kane, the chair of our EDI commission, share that he does not believe in the position in Quincy because it won't cure racism. Here's our commission chair admitting that the position will not have what it needs to be successful. How infuriating to those of us who take the issue of racism seriously in this city. Then the state of the city address where the mayor says we hit our stride, but in reality it appears we are going backwards. The heart of the city is in all of us. That was his message. The job of government is to empower the lives of the people. That's how government is supposed to work. He recognized the extraordinary challenges our education system has faced in the last three years and how Quincy Public Schools has handled that challenge. Recognition was given to those who used their time and talent to make Quincy a better place and make Quincy Public Schools the best. He goes so far as to say our success will be determined by classroom results. Plans for the future would be discussed at a later date. Those plans appear to include denying those extraordinary talented teachers the contract they seek. How will the contract the teachers request impact the city budget? Will it make more impact than other plans he prefers to tell us about later? How will it be measured in the November election? Are the acquisitions and building plans of the future months more important than maintaining that incredibly talented staff? By his actions, the answer appears to be yes. His teachers are not as valuable as his acquisitions, but saying otherwise gets him a good soundbite. That's from Catherine. Yeah, so Catherine touched upon um, the resolve again for the social justice and equity position. And I think, you know, Councilor Kane was mentioning this. I think it is a difficult job, but I think it's an important one. And I'll, I'll say why I think it's important. We're not going to solve all the problems from that resolve with one person, but we can learn about our community. And if we can, if we can learn from each other, we can make our, our community much stronger. And as far as the second half of what, what Catherine was talking about, it is disheartening when we're talking about the heart of the city and we're not really listening to our community, whether that be the teachers, but it's also, again, I, I talked about missed opportunities. There were missed opportunities as to, there were a lot of people who stood out in regards to the Abigail Adams statue and we had resolution for that. It cost the city a lot of money. People don't know, don't, don't know that in the upper funds, but, but it was resolved and we had a great celebration for that. And hopefully they'll have, they'll recognize those teachers for the hard work that they do because everybody who works in our city works hard and deserves to be paid a fair, fair wage. Right. Back to Councilor King for just for a second. He said he wouldn't want the job. Mm -hmm. There wasn't a panacea. It, yeah. it wouldn't cure racism, but I, I don't think anybody thinks it's going to cure racism. I mean, change is incremental sometimes, so it could have an impact. It, it would that's what people think. So. It would definitely have an impact. I mean, the thing that it would have an impact by, and, and you know, is it, it was a 7-0. Everybody, every vote, he voted for it. He voted for it. So, 
But I, you know, he's interested in, in the education uh, group setup. Yeah. So the, in the Quincy Public Schools, they, they they did hire an EDI person, and I think they're getting paid higher than what we valued the person for the city side. So that tells you something right there too. But the the reason why I bring it up is that I don't think it's going to be one person that's going to solve it. I think it's going to be it's going to be the way we go about educating people in our community about when things happen and how we can find resolution or open the wounds up to talk about it so that it doesn't repeat itself. And, you know, and this is, this is, again, I'll, I'll go to like, whether it's businesses, people might not think something's being done correctly. This is both sides of the situation. You have to be able to open those conversations up to be able to really understand how we're going to be able to move the needle. And yeah. it's a beginning, you know, and it is something that we definitely need. Right. All right. This next one is from Maria, and it's dealing with the 99-year lease. Let's see. Anne, just Anne, not Kevin, <laughs> is t- attached. Just, you know, the listener's meal, they might not write to you again. <laughs> <laughs> I may not read it again. <laughs> attached is what I sent to the Quincy Sun as basically a summary of what we think the next steps should be before negotiating the lease and invite Sun readers to sign and share petitions. Uh, the point we we're trying to make is that the Quarry Hills plan that was originally approved by the city council had trails. QHA did not provide them. That's Granite Links. We should get them back and make a master plan. Also, take a look at the old lease and the new lease. In the new lease, the references to Quarry Hills Recreational Complex has been crossed out. That means the QHA and Quincy has abandoned the concept of recreational complex. We want to revive the recreational complex concept and connect all the cool stuff on Quarry Hills with paths to make it all work together. Note also that we created a conceptual master plan. Uh, it was in a PDF. Shows all the stuff we want out of the master plan process before the lease is negotiated. There was a flyer attached and I'll just read some of the... the this is very lengthy. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not going to read it all. I'm just going to read a few things. Okay, some of the bullet points on this are, let's demand that the city perform due diligence evaluations of QHA's current lease obligations that include restoring the trails and fixing the drainage at the ball fields. The drainage still isn't fixed. We walked up there and it's there's like a moat around it. Create a visionary master plan that addresses the traffic disaster at Rashuti Drive, Willage Street intersection, creates safe pedestrian and biking access, adds walkable and tree-lined connections between the ball fields, the golf course, the clubhouse, the historic quarries, Milton and Quincy neighborhoods, and to the Blue Hills. Um, And then creates an oversight committee of citizens, planners, and city officials to oversee the development and the execution of the master plan. Yeah, so there's there's a lot of things that, that have to happen, and I know one of the things that was um, they, when they sent out that they're going to have the meeting on Monday night, the and it's a public forum, people can come out and speak. Is they want all of us, the councilors, to give every question that we have, and if every question gets answered, then we're going to be able to vote. Which, again, I'm going to say that's premature because we have to listen to what people have to say. We should be breaking down these these um, initiatives into separate categories and really kind of taking a look at it and seeing how we can see what we were supposed to get from the old lease. See 
what we got, what we didn't get. And if it, and if for some reason it was a gray area, maybe the drainage is a gray area. I think it might be in the original lease. Put it in the new lease yeah. because this is our opportunity to get things that we want if we're going to go forward with this. But my concern is that we always, and we do this all the time, we slam our we slam our fists on the table, say we have to have it done now. It has to be done now. We have, we're, we have 22 years left on this. <laughs> we have plenty of time to discuss it. And there was a meeting in September, Councilman Lucci had it, and there were plans shown in a public forum that was requested that they be shown to us, the city council. Right. And maybe that's the beginning of the discussions of what the master plan is. I just don't think we're going to get this done in an hour and be able to move it to a vote. If it does, we have bigger problems and people need to really pay attention to that because if we're moving 99 year leases in an hour, we have, it's, it is very transparent to what's happening. We're not transparent with your money. We're not telling you how we're spending your tax dollars. We are always asking you for more, but we are rushing things through that do not have good impacts if we're not willing to have those real discussions for them. And that does not mean Horry Hills Association is a bad partner. It just means that we're not doing our part of the due diligence. Okay, so please show up. Monday night, 6.30. Right, okay. And even if you don't want to speak, just come bring a friend. Some, let somebody else speak for you, but come. come bring some friends. They bring some friends. They have snacks. <laughs> I think it's fun. <laughs> come join me. All right. So the last one. Is we have the, more? <laughs> yeah, we have one more. This is the longest. Um, dear and Kevin, thanks for including me. Thank you both for doing this podcast. It is very much appreciated. It is a public service that is desperately needed. I wanted to take a few moments and talk about an issue that has bothered me from the moment I started taking an issue in local politics, the Zoning Board of Appeals meetings. Since I started to participate in the local political goings-on, the makeup of the ZBA has largely, largely remained the same. It is my understanding that the City Council confirms the Mayor's appointees and that those terms should last one year. General Law Part 1, Title, whatever that Roman numeral is, um, assuming this confirmation happens each year, when does this happen? I don't know. I don't know either. I can't say off the top of my head, so I feel bad about that, but I'll look into it. Yeah. First and foremost, ZBA members should be current citizens residing in the city. And I think the makeup of the board should reflect the makeup of the population as much as practical. I think they are, just so you know. I think they are people who reside in the city. I would think so. Yeah. Has there ever been a female member of the board, for instance? There currently is not. Not that I know of. I also know there is one Asian American member of the board, which does not represent the makeup of the city, which is one third of Asian heritage. Mm -hmm. Are there any language accommodations made for the growing Asian population, many of whom appear before the ZBA as they help to develop the city? Moving on to the actual experience of appearing before the board, I once referred to, referred to this as the parliamentary rope-a-dope. Concerned citizens often rally their neighbors to go and speak on a matter at ZBA, only to find out that the matter has been pulled from the agenda just before or during the meeting. This is meant to exhaust the citizens who want to speak on the matter, many of whom are going to be directly affected by the outcome of the decision. After arranging for childcare, taking time, off from work or missing dinner with their families, they, these concerned citizens are told upon arrival that the matter has been pushed out. I think the attorneys of these applicants pull their agenda items in the hopes of getting it heard on a night when citizens are not present in mass. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm told this is allowed by law. Can Quincy adopt 
a home rule provision that would limit this. Perhaps you can only continue a matter once before having to withdraw the request altogether, or maybe a 24-hour notice rule can be put in place. Those are all interesting things, and I will say that I've I've fallen victim of the same thing, where I've you know got out of my way to go to a meeting only to find out that the very thing that I'm looking for has been pulled from the agenda. So even counselors, it happens to counselors, and it's very frustrating. Um, I think they have. I'm not sure if they they have what, how long they have to do. I think they can do it right before a meeting. So it's it's very frustrating. There should be some kind of financial situation where maybe there's a, another cost yeah. for the putting back on. But, you know, because it's definitely not working to the advantages of the citizens, the people who are trying to right. stand up to it. And just for the record, it used to be like if a neighborhood stood up and said, this isn't something that we want because they're getting variances. They're asking for forgiveness. They're asking for the, the only reason why they're at the ZBA is that they're looking to do something that's not within our zoning codes. Mm -hmm. So if a neighborhood used to stand up and say, we don't want it, it used to be reflective of it's not going to happen. We can't give it right. to you because the neighbors, you got to get your neighbors behind you, 100% yeah. behind you. And, you know, if you don't, if you have 90% of them behind you, there might be something where you say, is there a compromise that can happen so we can get 100% of the neighbors behind you? That's what used to happen. It's not what happens now. All right. Okay, on the nights where a group of citizens do arrive and are able to speak on a matter of concern, they find the experience uncomfortable and unwelcoming. For some reason, the ZBA meets in a small function room rather than the larger council chambers. This forces many attendees to stand and overflow into the lobby. The speakers and microphones in this room have not worked since I started attending in 2017 at least. There is no projection of plans so the citizens can see what is being discussed. Instead, the plans are put on easels that face the board, not the crowd. During meetings with contentious issues that interest many residents, it only makes sense that the meeting be moved to the larger upper chambers that allows for the projection of the plans and images, audio support, and enough seating. Mm -hmm. So this is an interesting thing. So they did City Hall over, and they used to have CBA in the council chambers, and now they have their own room, which sounds like a great thing that they're having in their own room. But they didn't put microphones in it, so they sit at the tables with what looks like microphones, but they you can't hear. If you're in the back of the room, you can't always hear what's being said, whether it's the person who's standing up in favor or against a development. You can't hear that person and you can't hear the members of the ZBA speaking back. And it's it can be very frustrating. And when they do present the designs, it's always it's always presented on an easel facing towards the ZBA and the ZBA members have the plans in front of them. So the audience doesn't cannot see what's happening. There is a flat screen that they could present on it, but it's kind of the the it's it's not in the right position to be able to show to the audience, the sitting audience of where they're sitting. So there are some challenges there. I don't think it was created with those things in, in mind. And I know that um, the other thing is QATV does come and they bring their they bring all of their own equipment to be able to microphone. And it's not a microphone to um, enhance the area. And, and the members of the ZBA have had problems with it too. So definitely something that we should we could have used. Guess what we could have used to fix that problem? ARPA funds. We could use that because it would be better communicating to our citizens about things that are happening. Just another fantastic use of ARPA funds that we won't be able to do because we spent it all. But again. This is something that's happening because there's a lot of development that's happening throughout the city and you're seeing neighborhoods organize and stand up and come together and say enough, follow the ZBA rules, do what we're supposed to do. People always say we have to, you know, have to go back and redo the ZBA rules. You know, the thing is, is we need to follow them and we need to listen to our constituents. Okay. 
And then those finally able to be heard on a matter are often subjected to verbal intimidation. This is an unfamiliar process to most people, but if they are not succinct enough or violate any of the unspoken rules known only to the chairperson, they are spoken to curtly, even hectored to the point that some are afraid to get up and speak. In summary, it almost seems that the powers that be would prefer the public not to participate in the process. Even when they have braved the gauntlet I have outlined, they then witness some votes inexplicably, illogically, incomprehensibly cast against the wishes of the entire neighborhoods and ward councillors. It feels to many that these unfathomable votes were decided before the matter was heard. I clear my throat in parentheses. Thank you both for reading and considering my rant. Joe. I actually, I, I've witnessed some of that. You know, it's, it's very difficult. So, you know, in, in an interesting situation where you're, you know, somebody might go up and they're not be speaking about, you know, police activity at a, at a, at a home and the ZBA, members of the ZBA might say, you can't talk about that because you have to stay within the zone. You have to stay within zoning. You can't talk about, you can't talk about that. But I've actually witnessed where they've actually said, we're not going to give you the permit. We're going to ask you to withdraw without prejudice because, you know, there's a lot of police activity at that home. So they can make rules. They kind of make decisions that are not based on ZBA. You know, in that favor, it might have favored the neighborhood, but in the end, you know, decisions get changed. And it can be extremely infuriating when it's not that the, the, the things are not done in a way that seems transparent or fair. Again, I'm not knocking. These are people who volunteer, and some of them have been there for a long time, and they, they do do a good job. It's a very difficult job. It's not an easy job, but I do think sometimes there's, there's some pressure coming from other people to be able to make these decisions. Yep. So that does it for listener mail. I think we, we touched upon a lot of subjects. A, I probably won't read as much next time. But, <laughs> you may not get as many. But they're important and we haven't done them in a while. So Yeah, it is it, it is important. I, I appreciate everybody that do that does send we we have there's very many times that we have gotten a lot of listener mail that we didn't use either because we just didn't didn't fit into the subject matter that we were talking about. In this particular case it was a, it seemed like a lot that did fit into what we were talking right. about too. Okay, so in, I think that does it for this week on. I think there's one more thing. There's, oh, there's one more? Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> we do have the President's Day Winter Fest that's going to be happening at the Hancock Adams Common. Um, that is going to be on February 20th, and it's going to be from 2 to 7 p.m. There, the show will include um, the Blue Hills Trails Museums with Birds and Prey. There will be rainforest reptile shows, the Mad Science Fire and Ice Show. The ice sculptures will be there. Sasha, the Fire Gypsy Fire Show will be there. And performances will include Brendan Ryan from NBC, The Voice, No Static, and Steely Dan. Did I do a good job with that? No. <laughs> you want to do What did they mess up? Steely Dan is a cover band, I think. Well, that's what it says. It's a performance will include. You said no static in Steely Dan. Steely oh, Dan so is th- not around anymore. Uh, it's they didn't say cover band. <laughs> so again, this would Steely normally, Dan. Sorry, tribute. This would normally be Kevin's portion of the show, so I'm going to get criticism for this. Right. But you know, get onto the scary puppets. <laughs> yeah, I think it would be a fun thing for people to do. There's. Read it. The Scary Puppets. Second page. Um, the Puppernickel Puppets. Sir George, Sir George and the Dragon Puppet Show. Two Patriot White Laser Shows and the Pinnacle Laser from the Pinnacle Laser Production. City loves lasers and puppet shows. And puppet shows. Kevin, just for the record, everybody out there, Kevin was traumatized from puppet shows when he was a child. 
So, although, no. I did, lasers. I did buy our kids a puppet theater when they were for Christmas. Yeah. They, they did How like many it. times did that get used? <laughs> it was a fun thing. <laughs> that will do it for the show. <laughs> that will do it for this week on City Limits. Come out Thanks, on everybody. Mo- Please come out on Monday night, public airing. 99 release. Thanks, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.